Welcome to our podcast, Freedom Decoded. We are Carrie and Demir Bentley. What we do professionally is we help professionals around the world regain their sanity, create a really great work-life balance, and banish burnout forever. Um, ideally, by designing a lifestyle that's sustainable, that you love day in and day out. And you can learn more about what we do at lifehackmethod.com. But this podcast is our opportunity to lift the curtain and give you a behind-the-scenes peek of what Demir and I are talking about and thinking about at this very moment. And today, we have an exciting topic, which is all about messaging apps. And are they helping your productivity or are they hurting your productivity? And if they're hurting it, how do we bring them back onto that productive side of the equation? Okay, let's be really, really clear about something. We do not approve of messaging apps. We don't use them ourselves. Um, We think they are terrible. Studies have shown, we'll talk in a second, that studies show that you are actually more productive if you simply stop using them. Yes, that's actually proven. So this is not something that we approve of. So then why would we give people tips on how to handle it? Well, the truth is, is that some people are stuck. Some people are on teams that are managing their workflow through Slack and Teams and Workplace and other intra-team messaging platforms. Um, So even though these are resoundingly negative for your productivity, and the second that you get rid of them, your teams will perform a thousand times better, it's not always up to you. And sometimes, and and so we're here to show you, maybe support you in um, reducing the negative impact of these things on your productivity. Right, exactly. And I think the genesis of this was when um, a client came to us and we have many clients come to us and sort of proudly announce that they're on Slack and now they're going to onboard their whole team onto it. And can we please show them how <gasps> oh, to God, do that? Carrie, why are you as doing if it's this somehow a, like, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> as if it's somehow a foregone conclusion that anybody who uses Slack is automatically going to be more productive. And of course, we tell them like, hey, you know, actually, our recommendation is for you not to use Slack at all. And, you know, that's like they're shocked and yada, yada. We'll explain why in a minute. Um, but there are some teams where they're like, well, you know, Demir and Carrie, I have to, you know, it's sort of expected in amongst my team that I use Slack. I do find it overwhelming, but I don't see a way yeah. that I can just tell my boss, hey, I'm not going to be on it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's a, just to back this up with a little bit of data, there's a software program called Rescue Time that runs on people's computers to show them whether they're being productive or not. Um, and so they've got a ton of data. And Interestingly, there was a huge Slack outage back in 2018, and what they observed was that actually during the time that Slack was completely off, people got more productive, not less. And just to be really clear about something, the number one attribute of a productivity tool is that when you use it, you are more productive, right? So I just want to be very, very clear here. When I say that Slack is anti-productive, I am simply making a very, very simple assertion, which is that when you don't use it, you get more done. And when you do use it, you get less done. It is an anti-productivity tool. In fact, Vox even picked up the story and ran with it on an in-depth piece because there is an innate absurdity to us all using a productivity tool that makes us less productive, Right, right. Um, I think this is so clear to us, but for some other people, especially managers, they might feel like, well, you know, part of a big, big part of my job is actually responding to, say, Mm. questions from my team members, you know, and getting them those answers quickly, either via email or via these messaging 
you know, apps. Um, what I would say to that is, first of all, it's not just about the literal communication transfer that's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. First of all, that's suboptimal because um, that shouldn't have to happen at all, right? Like ideally, that team member has already received all the information they need to do their projects and they understand their priorities and they don't need to be coming to you with endless questions. But that's not different topic, a different time. Um, the second issue is the distraction that each of those notifications yeah. creates. So you might think, oh, well, overall during my day, I'm only spending, say, 5 to 10% of my day actually on these messaging apps. That still leaves a lot of time for me to do my real work. But what you're not considering is that if you're getting interrupted from your real yep. work yep. every three minutes with another ding, then that's going to make it basically impossible for you to get in the flow and get any real deep work. Yeah. Done. And, we, you know, we know from uh, studies show that people get interrupted an average of once every three minutes and it takes them 25 minutes to get their focus back. So we are always in this sort of spinner wheel of death where we're never quite getting to our full focus because these little dings and beeps and messages messages are just enough to pull us out of a deep state of focus where we can do our best work. Okay. So I want to, before we go on, I want to just emphasize that this is the result of a paradigm shift that's happening right now, right? So the old paradigm that we've been working with up to this point is something we call the hot potato paradigm. And it is put simply where you go into a meeting, you get new information, and then you come out of that meeting and it's your responsibility to pass the hot potato. So you were in the meeting, you have the information, now you need to pass it to your team members, your clients, whoever might need it. And then once they receive it and work with it on their side, they need to pass it back. And so, you know, so much of our work these days is work about work, meaning we're, we've, we've almost become accustomed, Carrie, to this, this huge overhead of simply passing and shuffling the information around. And the the weird thing is the more you pass and shuffle the information, although that's a good, that's a positive thing, you actually create more confusion. Quick example, um, when you're passing around a version of a document, then you start to get emails about which version of the document is actually up to date right now, is the right version of the document. So then you get communication overhead just simply about the communication overhead. And so this is where we get <laughs> collaboration and work about work, right, where we're not actually moving the ball forward. And I just want to emphasize before we move to the right paradigm, because if the hot potato paradigm is the wrong paradigm, if it leads invariably to over-collaboration and confusion and bad communication habits, right? We're going to talk about the right paradigm. But really quick, I just want to mention that a facet of people who are deep in the hot potato paradigm is that they will often talk about work, about work as if it's their actual work. Meaning they will talk about going to a meeting and talking about doing the work as if it is the work. They'll talk about clearing out their inbox and talking about work as if it's actual work. They'll talk about texting as if it's actual work. Have you seen this? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I used to basically my entire job used to be just work about work. Um, I was a brand manager. And I remember when you were saying like a good part of your work is work about work. I was remember thinking like, yeah, there was like one whole day of my week when basically I was in charge of giving this huge status update about about 60 of our products that we had coming out. And I had basically spent the whole day just making sure I had all the up, most up to date information about those products. Then sitting in a meeting where I just talked about those updates And then when I left the meeting, I would do this long email recap, again, just recapping what we had already talked about in the meeting for anyone who might not have been there. So like none of that work 
was actually driving any new work forward, any balls forward. It was literally just like keeping us exactly where we were with all those projects. So what's the right paradigm? Yeah, so the right paradigm is something that we call the planted potato paradigm, where all of the information is kept up to date in one central location. So rather than someone like me buzzing around trying to get the most up-to-date information from everybody else, the most up-to-date information lives somewhere. So in our case, it's Asana. Mm -hmm. It could be any task management system like Microsoft Planner, whatever. So that's where the information lives. And then anybody who wants access to that information simply goes there to get access to that information. So say that Demir is working on a project um, for me, Instead of asking him for an update about that project, I would just go to the Asana task where he's working on that, and I would see all the information about it, the status, what work work has been done on it, any documents or slides or whatever um, that are associated with it. And so I would never even have to communicate with you in order to get that so, update. So just just in brief, if the if the hot potato paradigm is tons of people constantly cross-passing pieces of information and then you have to figure out where the current where where's the hot potato right now who has it who's responsible and that creates over collaboration and it creates confusion and it creates a lot of work about work the plant potato paradigm is enabled by new technologies like screencasting and asana where you can actually put the information in one place and anybody at any time can simply go directly to where the information is and get the most up-to-date information without having to ask anybody else for an update, without having to call a team meeting, none of that, right? This, I cannot emphasize before we move on and talk about the rest of Slack, this is the number one game changer that people aren't getting. They're they're thinking, oh, email, Asana, they're looking at apps. So they're almost, the, the tail is wagging the dog. So they're looking at the apps instead of the paradigm that those apps sit on top of and represent. And so I would just say that right. email, Slack, meetings represent the old paradigm of the hot potato paradigm. And the new paradigm is represented by tools like Asana and screencasting. That's the planted potato paradigm. And this is, if you can understand this, and if you can explain it, and if you can really get other people on your team to see it, then this is probably more important than knowing any of the specifics of how these apps work, because you understand that we are in the middle as a society of a huge transition. And that's why Slack is twice as bad as it normally was before, because at least 10 years ago, an app like Slack, there wasn't a new paradigm. We, we didn't know where we were going. So at least you couldn't blame us for use it. Right. But now that we're using it and we know what the new paradigm is, it's almost like we're really shooting ourselves in the foot unnecessarily. Right. So tell right, us, Carrie, right, right. what does the planted potato um, paradigm look like when it's actually running successfully? Okay, well, I'll share what we do here at Lifehack Method. So um, obviously, since we're in charge of our own communication workflow, we simply don't use messaging platforms. We keep technology to a bare minimum, again, because we don't want to have that huge communication overhead and start getting into a place where we're over collaborating mm -hmm. with our team. We want to keep each team member focused on moving their balls forward, rather. So um, our potato is planted inside of Asana, which is our task management program of choice. And that's where I would say probably 95 or 96% of our team communication mm -hmm. happens. Um, in fact, 
most tasks get done without any communication about them whatsoever. Um, why? Because we have SOPs created for them um, and there's just simply <clears throat> no need to ask questions or communicate about the status of that project. So what I'm seeing in Asana is just a bunch of green check yeah. marks whenever somebody completes a task. Um, so I just get automatically notified whenever those tasks are done. And I don't, you know, if I can, I can comment on them if I want, but it, there's usually absolutely no need for that. Um, so we do, however, have a team WhatsApp thread. So that would be not really part of this planted potato paradigm because what we use that WhatsApp thread for is more for like team-wide high-fiving. Yep. So um, this sort of like team morale or like if someone sees a really great win from a client, they'll take a screenshot and be like, hey, look, team, did you see this? So it really helps with that sort of team-wide um, collective feeling and reminding people that like what we're doing is important. Yeah. Um, so it's really not designed for anything urgent, right? If it, I have a something, if I have a task for a team member to do, I'm not going to put it in that WhatsApp thread. Why? Because there's a chance it'll get yeah. forgotten about. If I put it inside of Asana, it's never going to get forgotten about, and I can track it. I can see the progress. Um, so that's really why we don't have. We try to keep all the communication again within that planted potato paradigm, because the second you start expanding outside of that, you risk. Yeah. Getting lost. And I would say a, a pro tip here is make sure that whatever, whoever team members you have, that they have Asana on their phone and that they have the alerts and notifications turned on for Asana. What that means is that, and this happens a lot, is that Carrie will actually send an urgent Asana task with the word urgent dash and then whatever is urgent and you i see it popping up on my phone so there's no need to text because she knows that on my phone i'm going to get a pop-up that says urgent and it's even going to be better because then i can click straight into it and i'm going to have all of the context and all of the chats and all of the documents everything i need is going to be right there so again really no reason now an exception that proves the rule here the right way to use an app like whatsapp is simply call somebody so, so for me, if it right. really, 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 really is an emergency, then there's no point texting. I call and people know that when, right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because when, even if I assign an urgent task in Asana, what I mean by urgent is that I want it done probably in, in the next 24 <clears> hours. <throat> it's not like it needs to be done in the next hour. So I think a lot of people's definition of urgent is like, it has to be done literally right now. And for us, we make sure that we've created a workflow where a normal task um, that gets assigned has a due date of minimum 48 yes. hours away. But if it's urgent, then it might be something that needs to happen, you know, in less than that yeah. time. And I'll tell you what, if any of our team members sees another team member calling, we don't have to ask. It, we know that it's absolute an emergency. And this is something I just want to take a pause before we move over, Carrie, to the next point. This is something that people just really get so wrong and I don't get it. People will say, well, Demir, I sent you an urgent message. Why didn't you respond? It's like, well, I had my I had my messages turned off so I could do deep work. Yeah, but you should be checking your messages because it's urgent. Well, why didn't you call me? Right. Just call me then. My phone was on. I've got a phone right here on the desk. Right. And if it was really this is I, why I just to finish that th that thought. This is why every I, I just yeah. want to finish that thought. Like this is what blows my mind is like when people say, "Oh, it was an emergency." Well, how could it have been an emergency if you were not willing to call me on my phone? I just don't get it. Well, because people don't understand the difference now between synchronous and asynchronous communication. Yeah. See, you and I are crystal clear that any platform where the person does not definitively receive the message in the moment it was sent 
is asynchronous. That includes emails. That includes messaging on any of these messaging platforms. The only thing it does not include is phone calls, right? Phone calls you know are synchronous. Because if you call someone and you are literally talking to them, that is asynchronous conversation. And you know that the information has been transferred to that person. So I think I get so, I um, a couple of years ago, we had this incident with a client where they got angry that we didn't respond to one of their emails fast. And I was literally like, yeah, so like, we're not slaves to our email. You don't own our email. Like you cannot expect a response on your timeline from my email. Um, You know, so like, I think that you and I are really clear on this, but in a lot of companies, there's this culture that's pervasive where everybody is now just checking all platforms because they never know when something's going to be urgent. They could get an urgent task sent to them in an email, um, shouted out in a meeting, pinged to them on Facebook Messenger, you know, it could come from literally anywhere. That's very stressful. So Carrie, how does somebody know if they're in the danger zone with using these apps too much? So here's how to tell if you're in the either the productive minimal use zone or if you are overusing these messaging tools and you're now in the unproductive zone with them. And there's two key measures to figure this out. One is the total volume of messages, both that you're sending and that you're receiving. And the percentage of messages that have a high level of urgency. So the first thing is like, what is the total volume of messages coming at you? If it's a large, large volume of messages, we're talking again, like, you know, one every three minutes, something like that, then that's large. And you are most certainly in that unproductive zone because it's too hard to stay on top of all of those messages. So if you have the feeling like, it's really, really hard for me to stay up to date and I'm feeling stressed, just, Think, you know, making sure that I'm like up to date with my team, then you have moved into the unproductive Mm -hmm. zone. And then the second measure is the overall urgency of the messages. So if you're receiving messages that are truly emergencies or need to be dealt with urgently, like the same day you receive them, then you're forced to check all your messages across all platforms the moment they come in because you don't know which ones will be urgent. And this is taking a huge toll on your productivity. So those are sort of the two metrics that I use to to make sure that I'm staying in the productive zone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great. Should we talk tactics or is there more to discuss in that? No, I think that's I think that's it for that. Cool. So um, we're going to go deep in this month's tribe training on this topic. We are going to talk about company level tactics, team level tactics, personal tactics. But we just wanted to cherry pick a couple tactics and share them with you here so that you could get a sense of what specific tactics could actually alleviate some of the the slack um, drag, as it were, on your productivity. Um, the first is simply having a communication policy for yourself or your team or your company. It really is just a common etiquette. Now, let me let me just pause for all of those people panicking right now. I can almost feel them out there thinking, well, I'm not the boss and I'm not the boss. I even have bosses say they're not the boss. I'm like, if you're not the boss, then who's the boss, right? So it, it's funny, everybody <laughs> passes the buck. We even work with managers. And I'm like, if you're not empowered to create a shared etiquette, then who is, right? Um, There's always an appropriate level, even if it's just you, to create a communication policy, right? The higher the level, the more network effects that you're going to get. So if you can create a team or a company-wide communication policy, 
it's going to be even better because everybody's going to know the rules of the road and you're going to have a network effect. But even if you only create your personal communication policy and let people know how you communicate, that's going to have a tremendous benefit for you. So, um, Carrie, for you, what do you think about when you think about uh, a common etiquette to put Slack in check? Yeah, so for like a team, right, if you wanted to agree with your whole team or your immediate, the people you work with most commonly, at least, um, you'd want to agree on like, hey, when are we required to check mm -hmm. Slack? Like how many times per day? And maybe you could even have set times for your whole team, mm -hmm. like say, you know, whatever, like 9 a.m., 12, 12 p.m. right before lunch and then 3 p.m. Um, where everybody's on Slack, just, you know, communicating and checking in. So there could be those sort of like on and off hours if you want. Or if um, you could even better would be to say like, hey, don't put anything urgent in Slack, please. You know, I'm going to be checking Slack periodically, um, but I'm going to assume that any urgent tasks are going to come at me via this other channel, yeah. whatever channel you choose. That could be an email with the word urgent in it. Ideally, you're using a task management program where the task just comes onto your to-do list. Um, so that would be that would be the first thing. I think also just discussing what are the right and wrong ways for people on your team to yeah. use Slack. So again, like making sure they're not sending urgent messages there. Um, they're not communicating like super cru crucial pieces yeah. of information there. They're maybe just tagging, like maybe like they're communicating generally about a, a broad question that they're confused about, you know, that they want everybody's input on that doesn't deserve a meeting, but they just kind of are like wanting some input from other people in like a non-urgent timeline. Um, so you might want to give some examples of like good and yeah, people bad. work really well with, um, with examples, right? I mean, if you give people a lot of the right and yeah. a lot of the wrong examples, they'll start to pick up what the policy is. Totally. Yeah. It's almost like you get, you train people in how you and how to use it. Um, and then also I would say making sure that there's, um, specific channels for specific yeah. things. Ideally, the fewest number of channels possible. I know some teams get obsessed with just like organizing their channels with different, I don't know, hashtags or something. This is not helpful. Like the most helpful thing is to reduce the overall number of channels that are there um, so that, you know, you can just have a lower number of channels to be checking. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would say definitely everybody needs to be putting their, their sort of um, status inside the app. So that could include your batching schedule. Like, hey, just so you know, this is my batching schedule. So I'm not going to see your message until this time. Um, or even just like offline, online. So people know if it's offline, then that, that person is not reachable at this moment. Yeah. And I, you, you see so much. This is, these are such common sense, simple tips, right? When am I required to? Check Slack, right? What are the right and wrong ways that we can use it? Um, which channels am I required to check? Which channels am I not required to check? Um, you know, and and you know, what are the statuses that we can put, and how do we respect each other's status? I mean, it really is so basic, but you'll see people even reject this. They'll even say, "Well, they, they, you'll see people argue for the free for all, won't you, Carrie?" And, and I think it's interesting because the hyperactive hive mind, as Cal Newport puts it, really is about response and playing defense. And so if somebody's on defense, if they haven't pre-planned their week, if a ton, if they just stepped on a landmine and they realized, oh, something's due tomorrow and I don't have the resources I need, they secretly want to be able to feel like they can panic 
into Slack and everybody will be at their beck and call. And so it's sort of like a, if I do it for you, then you'll do it for me. And, and, and it almost is what we call a Pareto inefficient solution in game theory where nobody's happy. It's not a good way to work, but it's sort of where we end up. And once you end up there, you're almost stuck there. You really have to like force your way out of there because it is this like sort of dead end really that we end up with in chat apps. Yeah, totally. And we all have team members that are worse at this than others. And I would say um, what's really great about humans is that they're super trainable. So uh, if you sort of under the radar even just start like little by little implementing some of these changes, then you're going to notice that people's behavior is going to change automatically, possibly subconsciously. So for example, say you have a team member who's coming to you panicked because they didn't do their work ahead enough and now they're behind and they need an update from you prior to this important meeting they're, they're supposed to walk into. Um, you know, you might, you might just delay sending them the information they need until like the last possible moment or like the moment they're walking into the meeting as sort of a, a tacit way of saying like, hey, like this should have been asked for well ahead of time. Like this should have been something that was gotten to me before. I mean, you can also say in a nice way, like, hey, in the future, please ask me for this with 24 hours notice. Um, so the, the just these little things are going to create so much um, less drama in your mm. life. You're going to notice that the most stressful messages are going to go away very quickly. So individuals have so much control over their Uh, their workflow that you don't even realize, right? Um, The goal is not to just simply do everything the same way your team members are or nothing. You know, you have so much more control over your workflow than you might think. Well, on a personal level, there's some other tactics I think that are really helpful just using Slack personally and using it defensively. One is to you know, create a batching schedule and let people know, hey, I'll only be checking Slack. Like you said, Carrie, at nine, at 12, at three. Um, I have my clients create a Slack autoresponder or auto reply that lets people know to contact you by phone if it's an emergency. I can't tell you how important that one small distinction is. If you can simply retrain people that if it is genuinely emergency and they need you right away, that Slack is the worst and wrong way to contact you, pick up the phone and dial my number. If I'm on do not disturb, right. call me three times to break through do, do not disturb, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can get me on the phone. And I think what people like, Carrie, is they like the idea of like, I'm just gonna toss it and run away from it. Again, the hot potato paradigm. It's yours, bye, I'm gonna run away. And, and then if you didn't read it in time, well, that's on you. This is a way to stop that because it just, it's just logical that if something is truly important, you would call, right? If if you were in the hospital, yeah. they wouldn't text you and say your husband's in the hospital. They would call you. So emergencies equal phones. That's a, a fundamental premise. And it's also defensible because if somebody says, well, Demir didn't answer his text, it's very defensible to go to your boss, boss and say, well, my phone was working. So like, if it was really that important, why did they text it and why didn't they call, right? Call, yeah. I mean, I think um, I think I, I think this is so crucial because even just thinking of it from a say you're an individual contributor and you're like worried about being seen as not a team player or not immediately available for your yeah. boss who has a tendency to 
throw fire drills at you. Well, I would say like, think about your organization and the people who are providing value in that organization are not the ones who are easiest to reach. In fact, they're usually the ones that are most difficult to reach. And why is that? Because they're defending their time so that they can create valuable work that moves the ball forward. So what I would say is don't don't like, don't just like announce to everyone that like, you're not going to you know, you know, you're not gonna be on, not reachable through any other on, on Slack at all anymore. It's more of a delicate dance that you would be doing where you truly are focusing with those deep work hours. You truly are creating huge value so that the people around you notice like, hey, you're a high performer. And we've had clients do this exact thing where they've created those autoresponders. They've created that batching schedule. They have implemented their own communication policy. And guess what? They are not only given extremely high marks on their year-end reviews, but they get promoted faster. Their team members respect them more because they respect themselves and they respect their time. So it really creates this positive cycle of improvement and respect amongst uh, your team members and for for you personally. And I'll give, uh, if it's okay, Carrie, I'll give a bonus tip here. Ooh, great. So this requires you to step back and say, what gives birth to Slack and over-collaboration? And usually it's playing defense, right? The number one thing that creates a Slack channel like explosion is if somebody forgot something, if they're on deadline, if they need something last minute, then you see all the Slack channels like that. Uh, Gary, I need this. Aiden, I need this. I need this. I need this. Everybody's supposed to sort of stop what they're doing and support this person who, right. what? Screwed up. They didn't see something coming. So with one of our clients, they were already planning their week, but I had them go ahead and bring their team into their weekly pre-planning sessions and then do a little 30-minute QA. So just visualize it. They pull their whole team into a Friday pre-planning session, the same that we run in Lifehack Drive every single Friday, 30 minutes, and then you're done. And then at the end, guess what's going to happen? Those people, by scanning their week, are going to have seen 100 landmines coming down the pike. So then they had an additional 30 minute popcorn. Oh, I need this. Oh, did you know this is happening? Just boom, 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 boom. In 30 minutes, a a whole week's worth of Slack conversations got done ahead of time. And then that second week, my client came back to me and said, Slack virtually cleared out. Because when you get ahead of the ball, through pre-planning, which is the number one tool to get ahead of the ball and scan for landmines, guess what? People need Slack less. The the need for Slack multiplies in, exponentially when you're on defense, when you're stepping on landmines. So if you want to have your teams using Slack less, then ironically, or maybe counterintuitively, you should be pre-planning and promoting pre-plannings with your teams. Oh, I love that. That's so genius. Because yeah, for those people being like, well, what, where, how does that communication happen if it's not inside Slack? It's like, this is a great example of how it can happen in a much more efficient way and just eliminate the need for that future communication. Awesome. So what do you think, Carrie? This feels pretty complete right now. And for people who want to dive deeper, they can come to our monthly training this month on how to use Slack and Teams effectively. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Great conversation. Thanks everyone listening. Uh, We hope to see you at our next podcast.